In today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, I have a conversation with Stephen Leeds, the co-director of the NLP Center of New York, arguably one of the very best NLP training centers in the entire world. You'll hear his take on how, specifically, NLP is an essential coaching skill and how you can use it to enhance your coaching abilities. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Hello, Stephen Leeds. It's nice to see you again. How are things? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to see you. It's been a, a year since uh, I saw you in person, uh, just uh, March of 2020. It's been been years since I've seen you, really. Uh, in clock time or calendar time, it's only been a year. Yeah, almost. Almost a year. It's February. Oh, yeah, that's right. Formally speaking, it's, it's 11 months, but still. Better part of a year for sure. And gosh, you know, it's a funny thing. People don't know this about us, but we've both been in NLP world for quite some time. And just a, a year or so ago, two years maybe, um, now I guess maybe at this point, three years ago, I got an office that I was thrilled to get in the same building as you guys. You were up on the 11th floor. I was on the 6th floor with Melissa Tears at the Center for Integrative Hypnosis. But it was great. You know, it was like, wow. <laughs> Amazing. Of all the places. Yeah, Manhattan is a small little town that, you know, so it was obvious we would, you know, what are the odds of uh, (laughs) ending up in the same building? building. (laughs) It's true. It's a small little town, New York, New York. And yeah, and now, of course, neither of us are there because uh, the place is closed. We've both of us closed our respective offices and are working from home. So how are things working out there with the NLP Center of New York being a virtual commodity at this point in time? Um, it's now I look back and think, oh, that was easy. But, you know, it, it does feel that way now. But, you know, it was like bringing up so many questions for me, like, can I, can, can it be as effective if I do this? Um, it's learning a new skill, you know, after all these years, now I have to figure out how to do something virtually and, uh, uh, and, and wondering if our, you know, I, I want to be effective and, and what I do, and so now, sort of, the verdict is out that uh, it has worked out really well, and I feel pleased with the results. Um, um, but it was uh, it's one more challenge. I think Indeed. that uh, I think as uh, therapists and coaches, we're dealing with people who have challenges, and uh, if we can look at them as challenges, and okay, I'm up for the challenge. What bring it on, and uh, um, what's next? Um, and I had a friend of mine remind me that, you know, over the years I've, I have, uh, reinvented myself, uh, having, uh, gone from a teacher to a therapist coach. Um, I did have to reinvent myself. So it's been, it's, I feel, I actually feel, uh, it's kind of given me, uh, um, you know, I, I was looking for a challenge. Good. Um, you know, well, I'd gone to, I, I, I went to, uh, China to teach, uh, in December of 2019. And I figured that would be a big challenge. That'll last a while. And then, uh, uh, then this came up. So it's, it's been good. China, China came to visit you. Hey, so, um, yes. Interestingly, the NLP Center of New York, I have thought of as one of the better, places to learn NLP and hypnosis, in, certainly in New York. Um, you and your, your wife, Rachel Hot have been running this center for quite some time. And for most people, I th- I'm, I'm guessing, listening to this podcast, you know, the coaching is, for many people, always been virtual. I, I learned coaching, as an example, from Thomas Leonard over the phone. I only met the guy mm-hmm. once, you know, at a seminar where we were both presenting at a particular seminar, I didn't learn from him in person ever. It was all over the phone, telephone with with Thomas Leonard back in the nineties. Um, how much of your work has been um, training, and how much of your work has been 
coaching, would you say, since, you know, I don't know, past year or so? It's, I'd say uh, it's been a real balance, a mixture, which I like um, to be in, you know, have, wear both hats. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's been pretty much, uh, I, I do both. And obviously I'm demonstrating different coaching skills when I'm training. Um, and when I'm working one-on-one, it's not, as you know, when you're coaching someone or as uh, I'm also a licensed mental health counselor. So, you know, whether it's confirmed as therapy or coaching, uh, it's also teaching. So, you know, when you're working with someone, you're not you're coaching them, but you're um, helping them become their own coach. You're teaching them how to coach themselves mm. and um, how to how to uh, be self supportive. To uh, so in a way, when I'm teaching, I'm coaching. When I'm coaching, I'm teaching, and uh, they overlap quite a bit. That's fascinating. That's a great frame as well. It's one I'm really happy to hear you say that because I've often felt that. Um, in fact, I've often felt that I'm not so much a therapist as I am a teacher when I'm working with people. I'm teaching them how to use their brain and teaching them how to think differently. I'm teaching them how that, you know, life can be different than the way it has been sort of dished out to them in some ways. For you, when you, when you do, uh, coaching, is it, you, you said you're a licensed health professional. Is it different to you from therapy? Is it coaching different from therapy? Um, I'd say they, you know, first of all, I know the answer will differ for who you ask. My and definitions. I know, I know. <laughs> um, so I'll give you my answer. Um, you know, as uh, uh, I, I do think of um, NLP as much, um, uh, it, it kind of teaches uh, I think therapy, I think of it as more in-depth. Um, coaching um, and NLP have in common the idea of behavioral change. You know, it's not just, um, it's like, what is your goal? What is your, um, what do you want to achieve? And I, and I do think, um, you know, in coaching, you have out, you have goals, um, career goals, exercise goals, eating goals things you want to do differently, uh, changing certain habits. Um, in NLP and in therapy, I am actually saying, you know, what is the internal shift that you want to experience um, right now? Um, uh, so you wouldn't have a goal to, um, the goal may be to ride an elevator without fear if you have a phobia of elevators, but the more therapeutic intervention is to feel fine about elevators, to um, to be able to feel safe, to feel um, uh, confident, to feel um, uh, and so it's a shift in state. So I, I think that that in therapy um, you're looking at old habits, um, maybe going back in time revisiting the past, revisiting, uh, finding out what resources you need um, from previous experiences. So at least some, maybe some coaches I've met don't have the, um, uh, the, the skills of, uh, of exploring past um, and re, um, you know, changing personal history, as you know about. Um, uh, but the, the more I'm teaching people coaching skills or who have coaching skills they they basically start to becoming more and more and more similar that, um, the person who's excellent at working with people can do both and has both skills to draw upon and, uh, to help, help a person create a better future. Okay, cool. So, so basically, if I heard that correctly, then uh, therapy can look deeper into the past and work with how things have been as a general, you know, approach. Wherever you go, there you are. You know, what what are you bringing mm-hmm. you to 
the situation that's constant. Whereas uh, and, coaching, and, 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 yes, go ahead. Whereas coaching might be, you know, we're not interested in that so much. We just say, I want to lose twenty pounds, so I have a goal that I'm going to, you know, get on an exercise track. I'm going to be coached in order to get to a place where I can achieve that that goal. I can lose 20 pounds or I can ride an elevator comfortably or whatever that goal might be. I can accomplish that goal without necessarily having to change myself at all. Yes. And also, as you know, with hypnosis, that someone can be very much in their conscious mind and say, this is what I want and this is my goal. And yet um, on an unconscious level, um, there's a lot of resistance. Hmm. And uh, I think with NLP, with hypnosis, with therapy, uh, I, I actually find that I work so much with paying attention to the resistance of, and get curious as to, um, excuse me, I'm getting curious as to, um, as you know, what is the positive intention of the resistance hmm. of really supporting, um, that is if there's two people, there's the person who says they want the goal, and then there's the person who um, is is um, not with the program, not hmm. with that. Um, so uh, uh, I, I'm I'm learning about what what stops you, you know, what 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 is getting in rather than willpower and pushing and strategizing of just learning. Um, what is the incongruence, as you know? You know, what is the part of us that is um, is not going to, um, who, who won't change, who's not willing to change, who is, um, so the person I'm speaking to is not the only one I have to speak to. Hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. So that's let's just explore that a little bit more, if you don't mind. That sounds really interesting. So you're interested in, in, in the resistance into the what's what's what part of you is resisting this thing mm -hmm. so yeah. how, tell us how, how you do that how do you explore that more with the person so if a person comes in as a coach a coach client say they have a goal to um i don't know um transcend old fears of public speaking and they also want to um start a new business that might net them a uh thriving income of 125,000 a year or something like that, if they have this long-term goal, um, what, how do you approach the, the situation? Well, I just last week I was working with someone who said, my goal is to make a million dollars by next year. And somehow um, by the end of our session, it was, I just, you know, like what, like I've asked what really, um, has motivated you to get to where you are today. And it was about, um, helping people. And mm -hmm. when he was thinking of making a million dollars, he wasn't thinking about helping people. And, and he didn't really, he was thinking about himself. But I said, what is, when we got in touch with what really, what is he here for? What is his, what is this all about? Is it all about making a million dollars? It was more of like, you know, that hasn't been um, as important to him, what's important to him. So I was asking, what is really important to you? What is it you really want? You know, through making a million dollars, is that what it's, you know, and he's, he realized that what's always driven him is when he, when people acknowledge him for uh, making a difference in their lives, like that's what he lives for. Mm. That's what, um, that's what uh, it's all about for him. So somehow listening to, you know, well, what is really important about making a million dollars or what is important about the work that you're doing? Um, had him get in touch with what he um, sort of, I guess we got to his life purpose. Um, and, and we, when we finished, it was like, you know, he just felt like it's inevitable that he'll make a lot of money if he continues to do what he's doing to make a difference in people's lives. 
and making a contribution. So where it started out, I want to make a million dollars. It's like I want to be effective at making a difference in people's lives. And that was really congruent. There was no holding back from that. It was like, that's what I want. And he kind of ended the session feeling motivated and um, uh, excited about uh, um, how he's going to make that happen. Okay, cool. And was it a for you as coaching um, like a, a one session sort of thing where you somebody comes in, they do a session and they're done? Or how does it how does it work for you? Well, um, some people do that. Some people come in for one session and it's done. And some people want some ongoing support. And I can see a person weekly for um, for some months. That happens, too. This particular um, person actually was in a, uh, a course that uh, that I'm offering now. It's called Beyond Technique, um, where uh, a small group, many, many trainers, many coaches are in the group. And I'll work with one person rotating. And uh, so it's something new. Uh, I've always um, when I'm teaching a class, I'm teaching a technique. You know that you've taught the phobia technique and you've taught the six step reframe and you've taught changing personal history. But then you go in and you're working with a person one on one and you're not thinking about at least after a while, you're not thinking about which technique am I going to use that that they're all there at your disposal. And and you're curious, you know, what is um, happening for the person and whatever technique um or maybe a new technique kind of shows up. So that's what I was doing with this group. Um, um, kind of, and it's, it's freeing for me because most of the NLP classes, I'm teaching a particular technique and here I'm just demonstrating different coaching skills. I, I think that the most important piece is once you, if you know where you're going, be careful. Because if you think you know where the person um, should be or uh, needs to be, even if they tell you that, to stay curious um, in that moment, because the person may be, um, it's like uh, just asking the question, what does this person need? Um, what is this person communicating? What are they asking for? Uh, to stay open to that. Once you think you know, um, that once I think I know, that's when I can get into trouble. Hmm, um, that's interesting. Where where I keep op staying open, staying curious as to what's emerging and what's coming next, so that uh, you don't miss it. Uh, it's easy to miss what's happening in front of you if you're thinking a few steps ahead of where you want to take this person. Hmm, yeah, that's great. That's great. So that that's really interesting, Stephen, because that that really sort of brings me to the idea of you know uh, a coach who has been at it as long as you have, who has you know a level of expertise that is beyond somebody who has just you know gotten out of coach you or wherever they got their coaching from, um, to to go beyond the technique as your course is called beyond technique. It's it's not just learning this technique or that technique or this process or that process, mm -hmm. but it's it's being with that person, as our colleague Stephen Gilligan would say, you know, to be you know to in that coach state, you know, to be down into that mm -hmm. state and just be present and hospitable to whatever they bring, um, welcoming of all, of whatever it is that they bring. It's really an important thing to have that. And I'm wondering if for you, if, if that is kind of the difference between where one would say is there's a beginning coach, maybe a competent coach and getting to a level of a, dare I say, master coach? Uh, I would say it's great. I think we all need some. Uh, so the answer is yes to your question about um, uh this, 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 the distinction between starting out, I think we, we all need some concrete techniques, um, to feel like we know what we're doing. <laughs> um, you know, uh, okay, I do this. I, if this happens, I do this. If this happens, I do this. So you're having a sense of knowing. 
and and then there's a point at which uh, you've worked where you know you've memorized the techniques, and that's when you can get to a place that Erickson, um, when he set his favorite time of the day, um, was when he tried a technique and it didn't work the way he expected it to go. He got excited. Mm. It's like, this is, I'm about to learn something new and different. And, uh, uh I wonder what's going to work here. So he, it, 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 it created that, um, he he tr- he was trusting that that it's it's he did he didn't know what to do but he was trusting that it, it could be known and that between the two of them they'll figure it out <laughs> and I do and I do and I do think that between between us between us and our unconscious we'll figure it out that the between your, is a your conscious and unconscious and your clients conscious and unconscious yes yeah it, it's there it's there. The, you know, the idea in NLP, we have all the resources, they exist. Let's figure out how to access them. What are they? They're there. I think, I think with, with new students, they question whether that's true. Mm-hmm. And they're doubt, they're doubting whether they have the resources or the client has the resources. Um, uh, just, um, but by paying attention to what the person is, uh, um, you know, I, I had this one client last week who um, was looking for answers, and I knew um, he um, he is wise, and he is knowledgeable, and he is experienced, and he, and also he I knew he it would work to use a metaphor, the sensei, the the master, the teacher. And I, all I did was asked him to be that sensei and be the teacher and connect to what it's like when he's in that place of knowing and he's focused and he's calm. And I had him, like in, in the self-relations that Stephen Gilligan does, had him connect with the you that was looking for the answers, uh, the self that was confused, the self that was um looking for guidance and to also be the guide to be the coach so i got him to go into a coach state and and then to be able to listen to and speak to and interact with the self that was looking for a coach hmm. and uh, so i and i didn't have to do much coaching for the coach the coach knew exactly what to do and it was a really successful session. He really appreciated that I honored um, his inner um, wise man. Mm. And uh, so and it wasn't much of a technique, but it was recognizing that uh, he, he knew what to do. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it's much more satisfying when people, you know, instead of, I mean, maybe when I was, when I was first starting to do this work, Doug, you know, people, oh, you're, you're so, you're so brilliant. You're so good. Yeah. You're, you're amazing. Um, you're incredible. You know, my ego was stroked by those things. And certainly, um, there's a certain satisfaction, satisfaction that you get when people are appreciating you. And yet there's even greater satisfaction, um, or real satisfaction when people are impressed with themselves. Mm. And they lead, they lead the session. Boy, I'm pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I didn't realize that I, I knew what I knew what to do. You know, uh, I didn't know. So that 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 place of, and I do. I think that I I I can help people get into a state of curiosity because mm-hmm. most people, most clients, come in not very curious. Like I don't know what to do. Uh, they don't come in. Hmm. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what it is that I need. Um, I, I wonder how I'm going to develop the resources. You know, they go. Uh, I don't know what to do. You know, uh, I, 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 I've tried everything. You know, <laughs> but but I hear their tone and their. I tried everything. You know, 
um, I don't know. And I often say to them, could you just, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of model what they've said. I'll say, so I hear you say, I don't know what to do. You know, well, I'll tell you what to do. I'd like you to say the same thing. I don't know what to do, but say it like this. Say it. I don't know what to do. So I'm telling them what to do. I'm telling them to say, I don't know what to do, but say it with a different tone and tempo and, and, and practice it and see what happens if you say it in the most curious way, I don't know. And, and it's almost like for many people, a door opens. Mm. There's an expansiveness um, and they are much more open um, and more receptive than trying so they stop trying and to push themselves and and are more in so it's as if it, it opens up new possibilities so if anything i uh, if i'm working with someone i'd like them to share that curiosity about themselves and uh, that presupposition that they have it they have the answers they just don't know what they are right all right, that's beautiful. It sounds like a, a level of mastery that, you know, we can, the rest of us can hope for, you know. It's just how, how it's, 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 inevi it's, a, it's inevitable. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's inevitable. All you have to do is keep doing what you're doing and, uh, and being honest with yourself and when you don't know. And when you do know, to appreciate not to be so humble and say, mm -hmm. oh, I do know these things. But uh, there's a lot I don't know. And Do you that's think that okay. it's useful for a coach to have a coach of his or her own? Um, I would say uh, say yes, not necessarily all the time, but I think we all could use some perspective. I think that we all lose perspective and find it again. So uh, I think if we know we're kind of lost and or getting stuck in a particular place. I think we really all need a coach, a mentor periodically mm -hmm. um, uh, to see what we're not seeing, to see our blind spots and how hopefully point out things we're not seeing so we can have some, oh yeah, wow, I needed that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, needed, I, I, I needed to be, have my pattern interrupted. Yeah. I think it. I've often recommended to people, and my, I myself have a coach. I, I, I think it's really important for a person who is, you know, a, a coach or a therapist to have their own coach or their own therapist to to have that be able to, ability to back um, get feedback about what you do, even if it's not so much a therapist as it is a, a, a supervisor, somebody that you can bounce off the problems mm -hmm. or cases with. Sort of. Yeah. Rachel and I had a really wonderful supervisor. Uh, we actually did some sessions with her years ago. Um, and um, uh, her name is escaping me for a moment. Uh, it'll, it'll come back to me. Um, but she was an NLP. She was a, uh, she was a psychiatrist. Um, and uh, she, you know, it, it really, really was helpful mm -hmm. um, to uh, give me perspective of my clients and, uh, where I was getting stuck. Yeah. Because um, it just seems to me interesting that, you know, Erickson often said, you know, you must trust your unconscious mind. You know, and that's that's fine. That's true. And, and um, you know, if he was getting into a stuck state, if he could trust his unconscious, yeah, but he's also had a lot of experiences and, you know, he's, he's Milton Erickson and, you know, kind of thing. And you're Steve Leeds and whatever. Um, I think for somebody who's starting out in coaching to trust their unconscious mind is, is somewhat of a tall order because they don't, yeah. you know, have that, uh, yeah. you know, depth of understanding and experience and teaching, learning behind them to, you know, how do you know when you can start <laughs> trust your, when you can start trusting. That's a good <laughs> yeah. question. Um, uh, by the way, Nina Evans is the name of the person oh, I you. work with. Uh, she passed away last year. Um, and she was an amazing, uh, person. Uh, um, anyway, um, so, uh, this idea of trusting, you know, it's like if you're taking a test, um, 
you're studying for a test, mm-hmm. you whatever methods, whether they're whether they're effective or not, and then there you are at the test day, and you're about you're sitting uh, at the at the um, uh, at the test site. The, the, the exam is in front of you. Um, you can't do any more studying um, until the test is over. So you might as well trust your unconscious, knowing that you don't know everything, but you know what you know, and you don't know what you don't know. And you're going to utilize and do the best you can using the skills that you've already learned and um, and do the best you can. Um, and I do believe we are doing the best we can at every moment, given what we've learned up until that point. So I think, you know, trusting the unconscious doesn't mean stop learning. I think it's a good um, to be able to keep learning new skills. And but when you're there with a client to trust that you're doing the best you can and uh, and knowing you can do a lot better, probably, um, if you knew more. So uh, I think that it's not like you don't trust your unconscious until you can. (laughs) Um, uh, uh, And actually, I think Gilligan once said the line, trust, but do not believe. So trust your unconscious, but don't believe everything you come up with is going to work. Um, Hmm. That everything is, is that you know it all. Uh, You don't know it all. Um, You don't know it all. Um, I don't know it all. Hmm. Um, Although some people are not comfortable with not knowing at all. Um, And um, so So when starting out, I think you need to learn as much as you can, as many techniques. And then eventually, uh, I think you start saying, wow, where did that story come from? You know, how did I know to tell that story? Um, You know, it, 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 I guess as we go on in life, we have many metaphors and many stories that uh, we didn't have when we were younger. So you know, we couldn't have um, done back then what we can do now. And we won't be able to do now what we will be able to do in the future. If we keep going. Yeah. Well, I've often thought, you know, being a lifelong learner is, you know, certainly what Erickson was. He was always curious about this next person. He was always, you know, reading this person as a unique individual as they were. And was always always intensely curious about how do you do that you know um never satisfied you know in, in his learning mm. it's amazing to listen to look back on his early days of how he he was so studious you know in his in his work ethics to really learn all those techniques that nobody knew up until that point he was making them up in a way as he, as he went but you know his efforts to write out all those different, you know, transinductions to get it down to the right thing that you had to say. And then eventually abandoning all that and saying that, you know, and, 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 and you just said it, you know, he was never satisfied. You've just reframed dissatisfaction. Um, that dissatisfaction is a resource. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he was never satisfied and it drove him. It motivated him to this thirst for knowledge. Um, I sometimes think, Doug, you know, people come in, can I make money doing this? Uh, can I, can I see clients after a week training? <laughs> you know, um, uh, can I see them after a practitioner training? You can, but I hope you're not thinking that that's what you need to then open up a practice and then you can be satisfied. You know, it's, it's, that's not, some people want to get the credentials and, and not necessarily have that thirst for, ongoing exploration and what you said about Erickson is beautiful. I know you're, you're like that too. Mm. You know, it's, it's never, it's never done where, okay, now I'm satisfied. (laughs) I've I've, I've learned all I need to learn. (laughs) No, not at all. But tell me about that. What, what, what could a person expect? I mean, part of this, part of this podcast is the secrets and, um, systems that set the best apart both for being a good coach is mostly what we've been talking about so far but also what is essential for a person to be able to make a living 
as a coach? How can they go out there and, yeah, make money as a, as a coach? What do they need to be able to do to do that? Well, it's interesting. I sometimes think that I was naive when I was younger. <laughs> Aren't we all? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started, you know, seeing clients in the uh, late 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I had a belief that if I really learn this, all the, all that's available to me, that I'll be successful. That I just, I just trusted if I keep learning, I'm good, if I'm good at what I do and I produce results, then I'll be successful. And I look back and I think, you know, was I being naive? Well, it turned out okay. It, it's sort of, it's like, oh, I guess that, that, uh, I was right. But, um, but I also think that, you know, everything else was like, Know, building a practice, building uh, um, a center. Um, it it was just kind of one step at a time of of um, how do I market? How do I? And and I guess it was asking questions like how do I market it and look for the answers and and do whatever I needed to do. Uh, I I modeled, um, you know, you know. Look, I, I started out, uh, you know. Marketing things when it was all through the U.S. Postal Service, and um, you know that was what I had to do until the internet came along. And then it's like, well, how do I get a presence online? And so I, I think I kept on looking at uh, what's the newest way of conveying, of communicating, because there was a point of it was all word of mouth when I first started, and now it's not just where it's word of mouth. That's a um, you know, in the past 10 years, I actually haven't taken on any new clients that haven't asked for me directly. Um, so uh, I basically, um, my practice sort of at some point was word of mouth um, when I didn't have to um, market in that way. But until then, it was uh, referrals was a lot of. And again, trusting if I'm doing really good work, if I know what I'm doing, you know, it's like, uh, what is that field of dreams? Build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. The sense of, you know, if I have something to offer, um, people will, will, will want it. Yeah. I think that's true. And I think that it, you know, might take a long time and maybe, uh, people don't have the <laughs> fortitude that you have had to. To wait as long. Um, so it sounds like <laughs> that's a, that's a good that's a good point. How long do you wait? <laughs> yeah. um, sounds like marketing though has been a very important piece for you. You used to market by mailing things out through the postal service, and then you got into the internet and how to develop a internet presence. And uh, so, would you say that that's an essential skill for a coach is to be good yeah. at marketing? Yeah. And so, what's a, what's a what's a way that a person can do that? How do you how do you how does one learn to market effectively? Well, I think you want to ultimately um, have exposure. You want people to see you, to hear you, to um, experience what you do, um, and um, obviously. I mean, the one thing we haven't done is put out a lot of videos. Um, uh, probably we've been more successful if we had. Um, at this point, it's like having people come in and do for free evenings to come in and, and meet us and ask questions. So, you know, having a web presence, having, um, uh, we did you, we have used Google AdWords, uh, in terms of a marketing tool you know, pay per click, mm-hmm. um, you know, t- Tony Robbins, uh, he started out before the internet and he was doing these infomercials in the middle of the night. Um, nice. and, uh, so he, he was paying for people. I guess that was a great marketing, you know, thing at the time to, uh, uh, it didn't cost as much money to have these infomercials at night. Um, 
he filmed them and people, he got exposure. Uh, and uh, for, for us, I think uh, um, having people contact us, um, seeing some of our, uh, as I said, these free previews to so ask questions. Do you do those uh, online? I mean, you don't, people don't come into your office anymore. First, your office doesn't exist and second mm-hmm. of all. Everything's virtual these days. So are you yeah. still doing free intros online? Yeah, yeah. Once a month, once every two months. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Like like what? Like what's what's an example? Uh, intro to NLP, intro to – are you are you having intros to, to coaching, your coaching practice, or intros to – Basically, we, we up until now, and it's changing, actually, um, we've done – like a 90-minute intro to NLP, mm-hmm. a free intro, a 90-minute free intro to hypnosis, and it, it becomes an inter. It becomes a. Uh, it's not a lecture. It's a discussion. It's uh, each group is different. They have different questions about it. So it's question and answer, um, and uh, and maybe some exercise we do. Uh, with um, with the group, so they get a sense of what we do in a class. They can ask questions about coaching. Right now, we have a few other people on staff, and we're starting to do a rotating thing where um, some of our other staff members, Rob Schwartz and Josh Davis and Vesla Pelivanova, um, are going to be rotating with Rachel and myself. So we'll each do like a 30-minute, 30, 40-minute free evening every month so people can learn about us and find out, you know, what do you do um, and how can it benefit us? Mm-hmm. Great. That's great. So that's really valuable information. Thank you very much. Because that, that is something that's unique and that um, is free so people can get there. So they're getting value for nothing, but uh, their investment of their time, but it, it gives them uh, a taste of what you have to offer and makes them, Say, wow, yeah, this is really valuable. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more. So that's, yeah. that's great. That's and better also, than a commercial, I would say. Also, uh, uh, something I did, um, Rachel, I wrote a book, which um, it, it was like I waited for a lot. We only, we've written one book and we co-authored another book, the book NLP, A Changing Perspective. And uh, one thing about the book, it was um, – once we started writing it, it was easy. Um, uh, I never knew what I wanted to write about until after about 30 years, um, maybe not that much, about 25 years. We decided, you know, I wanted, I wanted to, um, talk about what we do. And, uh, so it was a very, it was a very personal story about our, um, journey in NLP and also what we teach in NLP training. So, um, it was it's, it was kind of fun for people to know us before they met us, mm-hmm. um, uh, which was uh, interesting. They knew our stories. They knew some of our experiences. Um, so I think that um, writing a book is a great, also a great way to um, demonstrate, you know, how you think, um, how you train, how you coach, so people can get a sense of you. Okay, um, great. Good. Got it. So that's beautiful. Thank you. That's excellent information. Hey, I have a question for you. I know in when both of us, we started out, it sounds like you started off a few years before I did even. Um, it's hard to meet somebody who's been around as long as <laughs> longer in your things. Um, but the, the model for many, many years was that you teach an NLP practitioner course. In the old, old days, it was like 28 days and uh, how long were your practitioner courses, or are they still? Um, initially, there were 24 days, wow. um, and now it's 15 days. Okay, yeah, so mine, mine are 14. Full, but, um, mm-hmm. but then the practitioner would be followed by the master practitioner, which is another 14 days or 15 days. Mm-hmm. And then there'd be a trainer's training, and mm-hmm. people who got trained as trainers of NLP would then start teaching their own practitioner courses and their own master practitioner courses and stuff. And that was kind of it. Not a mm-hmm, great, basically. Model, great model, but nevertheless, it was what it was. Um, do you guys now teach coaching? Do you do NLP? Like, can people get certified as a coach via the NLP Center of New York? We we don't do that. Uh, well, 
first of all, um, are, you know, coaching, the term coaching, um, I believe was first coined by um, um, the uh, author of Inner Tennis, um, Tim Galway, mm. as far as I know. And I had seen Tim Galway doing his inner tennis um, clinic uh, in, the, in the mid 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, I was learning NLP, you know, starting about 80. Uh, coaching was was not really a term no. that uh, um, except for sports coaching. So but after a while, I realized that our NLP practitioner training, um, as far as the, what we were doing, we were teaching coaching. And uh, so we decided at some point, because we were into where we were integrating and including incorporating a lot of coaching skills. So we now call it the NLP coach practitioner training. Uh -huh. And and so therefore, when you finish the so it's a NLP coach practitioner, NLP coach master practitioner. So it is a coach practitioner training. Nice. And we're certifying people in that. As far as the trainer's training goes, for pretty much it's like a, for most people, it's like a four-year program mm -hmm. after finishing practitioner. So it's not just taking a trainer, a week-long trainer's training. All of the people that train for us and have gotten our trainer's training have been assisting at at least two practitioner of NLP and two master practitioner and hypnosis and core transformation and plus a trainer's training. So um, it's not like you take a seven day trainer's training and you become a trainer. Right. So, so to answer those questions, we have the intensive trainer's training, um, which we haven't, uh, we haven't continued with any new trainees in the past year. Um, and then we have the, the, the coach certification. Although, so is, there, is the coach um, certification different from what you taught before as just uh, a practitioner? It's, it's evolved, I'd say, and incorporates more, um, uh, uh, more, um, skills for coaching. Now, you know, Rob Schwartz, a good mm -hmm. friend of ours and one of the trainers at our center. Sure. And Rob has done a separate coach training. And uh, uh, a lot of our students have actually have code certification before they come to NLP. Mm -hmm. And they do, and most of them have said it really complements what they've learned before. So it's not the same um, training, but it has expanded their knowledge of how to work with people. And then I definitely um, suggest if people do NLP, that they can learn a lot from going to a coach certification that's not NLP. Mm -hmm. So I, I do think that uh, it's, I think for any good coach, I think NLP is an essential piece of their coaching training, but not necessarily, not a replacement for um, um, coach training. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you very much. I, that's, I, that's the first time I've heard anybody say it quite just that way. That's, that's really great. Appreciate that because they clearly are complementary in my mind. I, I learned coaching separately um, in, in mm -hmm. addition to my NLP training from uh, Thomas Leonard. And mm -hmm. so it, was, it was really great. It was very different from NLP. It was very, very different and very complementary. And as I have watched, you know, post Thomas Leonard's uh, death after he died, um, so much coaching has, has, has just exploded around the globe you know there are coaches everywhere and coaching trainings everywhere um, and it just seems to me that it's amazing to me that people can do coaching effectively at all without some nlp you know it's, mm -hmm. it, it boggles my mind that people can do coaching without the meta model as an example the meta model yeah. is to me is so essential and in fact that's one of the reasons i started essentialcoachingskills.com is because it's an essential coaching skill to be able, I think, to be able to ask those effective questions. It's, That's a great point. That yes, when when you, I agree. How can people be effective coaches without the meta model, without the Milton model, mm. without um, uh, without even knowing how to, you know, deal with 
resistance or how do they do it without sleight of mouth patterns? <laughs> you know, if you'd never heard of like you're 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 one of the people that specializes in sleight of mouth patterns. And, you know, just recently you had a student who's been a coach. And once he learned the sleight of mouth patterns, he goes, this is opens up a whole other. Uh, I can't believe it. I can't believe I've been doing coaching and not knowing sleight of mouth patterns. <laughs> Well, thank and, you. I'm going to take that as a quote I'm putting on the internet. <laughs> great. Yeah. What, what, one, one thing I do with our students and every master practitioner is I have them write down one statement, um, a limiting belief that they have, and also a limiting belief that someone else has that they've, <clears throat> and, and then go through all the sleight of mouth patterns and um, with that statement. Beautiful. So they're basically doing slide. And it takes Super a bit of a encar encouragement to do that. But, you know, so they're just sitting there and you're looking at the state, your own statement, and you have to challenge your own statement in each of those categories, reversing the presupposition and, you know, uh, redefining uh, the criteria, everything. And they, they finish and they have a whole, their whole mind is, wow, I can't think of it the same way anymore. So uh, I do think it's it's in a, there's a lot of NLP that's that uh, uh, needs needs not just to know or read about, but to practice. Mm -hmm. Particularly something like the ones we mentioned: sleight of mouth, meta model, uh, Milton model. Stephen Leeds, this has been a very very. Wonderful discussion. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Can I just ask real quick, where do people find you if they want to find you specifically or the NLP Center of New York? Uh, I will give you it's um, our our um, our website is nlptraining.com nlptraining.com Excellent. And uh, and they also if they prefer uh um, phone or text, uh, it's 212-203-5076, 212-203-5076. I've memorized that phone number. It's the only, only one I know. Um, <laughs> 212, and, wow, uh, nobody has those anymore. <laughs> That's great. Oh, yeah, I was <laughs> lucky, and my cell phone. Um, so anyway, th those are the best ways, and it's, it is the NLP Center of New York, Um and our website has all our courses and and uh, and both uh, Rachel Hart, who's a clinical psychologist who you've interviewed here, my partner. She and I uh, um, do the coaching and training and uh, I'd be. Yeah. So that's that's how to get in touch with us. Fantastic. Well, thank you very, very much. You're welcome, Doug. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.